Anybody have any miracles they can think of? Maybe you think a little bit about the when they were singing the song, 1974. I graduated from high school, and the Lord had really kind of uh, speaking to my heart, and I said, "Well, I don't know my Bible very well. I need to go to learn a little bit more about my Bible." So I left Tulsa, Oklahoma, and went to Birmingham, Alabama. I'd never been to Alabama. Never been to the state until my parents dropped me off and didn't knew one person, only saw them one time. And I'm thinking there's a young lady up in Maryland who left Maryland at the same time and goes to Birmingham, Alabama. I happened to meet her our freshman year and one year learned into six years of school. And I also told the Lord that we had to have a Christian service seven out of the eight semesters. And I was so, I couldn't be in front of people actually just so petrified that I got a special exemption that I could work manual labor for different people for my Christian service. And I look at today and the Lord has me up here and I you know, often kind of wonder what in the world am I doing up here. But uh, uh, had the privilege this last week of teaching uh, two classes in, in a Christian school and it was just a, you know, I never you know, thought I would ever like it, but when I, it was my you know, favorite job that I had when I did teach and uh, you just never know what the Lord can do. He can, he can, t- can change you and change your heart. So just thank you for it. This review, if you remember, we were looking at the book of James. And if you remember, the two weeks ago, we saw the turning trials into triumphs. And we saw that the possibility, it said consider it all joy. It's a possibility that we, you and I can consider it joy. The difference is we consider it joy, not the test, but because of what it produces. It also gives you a promise. It says when. So how many of us are going to have trials? All of us. It also says various, so each one of us is going to be different. Your trial will be different than mine, but we're all going to have them. But it also talks about James and it's a process. We're going from point A to point B, and he's trying to get us to become a mature believer. And so he's going to lead us through different things along the way. We also saw in First Peter, remember it was proof. He's proving that you are a believer by going, allowing you to go through trials, and it's a purifying time. A lot of times he's taking things to the dross out where it's not important you thought it was, but it's not. It also shows that there's a path. The rich man and the poor man also goes through trials. And then the product, obviously, at the end, the perseverance. If you persevere to the end, you receive a crown. Then we also had last week talked about handling temptation. It's interesting. It also says when. Every one of us are going to handle have temptations. Quite often they go together, we're having a trial, and then we try or tempted to solve it in our own way, and it uh, doesn't do well, and it says we're uh, promoted by our own self-nature, uh, as well as Satan, never by God. It's allowed, but it's never brought on, and the process, you remember, it's bait. It's used the word for a fishing term, that bait stuck out in front of us, and we're enticed, and then we take it, and the results are not good. We also had a solution, remember last week, we're told to look ahead, in other words, what's the end result? If I take this bait, this temptation, where is it going to take me? We also had, you look around, I think a lot of times we're tempted because we don't look at what we do have. It's what I don't have. If we dwell on what we do have, it really changes a lot of things. But I think most of the time, isn't that, I call it the Naaman syndrome, you remember Naaman? Everything was going his well except for one person didn't bow down and what happens? He gets mad that Mordecai doesn't bow down to him. How many thousand did? And how many of us have all these great things going for us and we think about the one that's not going right? And we dwell on the one thing. Then you also remember he's told to, to look within. We have a divine nature within and that will give us the strength. And we look inside of ourselves, what's there? 
you've been planted. We also told to look beside, do you remember last week when we talked about who are we associating with? The people we're with. Psalms 1, if you're sitting and standing and walking with, uh, with non-believers and their, their attitude and actions, you're going to likewise get it. Or you can be like we're told with Timothy and 2 Timothy 2, we're supposed to be with believers doing that. And then obviously the last one we looked at last week, look intelligently. Uh, Joseph, you remember in, in Genesis 39, when he was tempted, he wouldn't listen to her, he wouldn't be near her, he fled. There are certain things we and I have to do too. We have to, there's a part we have to do. But today what I'm thinking about is the next part in James, the last part of the chapter. Forty-five years ago, Gene had a professor I never had the privilege of having, but I remember the story in which the professor had a young man come into his class and talk to him. It was a counseling situation, one-on-one after class. And I'll never forget, I don't know exactly why, but he told the young man, uh, I guess he was re, you know, relating different things about his goals in life, and the professor could see that there's no way that this young man would be able to do that. He said, why don't you take off your shirt and look in the mirror? Because the young man obviously didn't have the ability to do what he was attempting to do. Well, that was in the back of my mind. Well, I had a young man come to me when I was teaching school, that many years ago, and he came to me. Our football team, we were a little Christian school, and we, you know, we were six and five, five and six, you know, seven and four. Had a few good players, but most are just average young men who are having a good time and, you know, trying. <coughs> well, I had one of these average young men, about six foot, 190 pounds, wasn't very fast, wasn't very strong for his size, he was a lineman. He asked to meet with me after school. I said, okay. He comes to my classroom and he says, I believe I know what God's wanting me to do and what I want to do with my life. Okay? He said, I want to go to either OU or Texas and be an offensive lineman. Okay? Larry, do you think they would make it in 82 or 83 an offensive lineman in Texas? OU? No. No. So, I, I, you know, I could have gotten in trouble, but I just told him, I said, okay, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go to the bathroom, take your shirt off, and look in the mirror, and turn around, and then come back and tell me, is that, a, is that the, the, the physique and the line, uh, of an offensive lineman of the University of Texas or Oklahoma? He did, and he changed his plans. You know, but how many of us are deceived? How many of us are deceived in what we're doing or what we think we can do? Yeah, he can work hard. There's things he could have definitely uh, developed and done a lot of things. But if you know much about offensive linemen, they're like 6'5", 280, 300 pounds. I mean, you know, they're, uh, and they're pretty quick. Uh, and, it, you know, he wouldn't have said, you know, he couldn't hold his own in the, the position he was at. Well, I want to think about it. How many of us are kidding ourselves? James wants to talk about that. To quit kidding yourself or don't deceive yourself in verses 19 down through 27. I think oftentimes we as Christians are deceiving ourselves or others. I think one of all is some of the possibilities. I'll give you some possibilities. First of all, remember in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 to 23, Jesus is writing. Remember they cast out demons? He said, I never knew you. How is it that they could cast out demons but never knew Jesus? How many of your false beliefs and religions today are doing great things? 
They can give money. They can do all kinds of great works. And they're thinking they're going to heaven on all their good works. But they're deceiving themselves. There's a lot of... A lot of... We looked at that a little bit on Wednesday night. What about look over in Revelation chapter 3. We'll, we'll get to James. But just some possibilities. Look over in Revelation chapter 3. He's writing to the different churches. And he writes to the church of Laodicea. It's interesting what he has to say. In Revelation chapter 3, notice he's writing in verse 15. So he's writing to believers. Verse 15 of chapter 3 of Revelation, For I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I would that you were either cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I'd spit you out of my mouth. Notice 17. Because you say I am rich and I am wealthy, and have need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They thought they were one way, and Jesus is saying, you're deceiving yourself. Now, he's using three terms that Laodicea was noted for at that time. Their medicines for their eye salve, and their, and their, uh, their um, they had spas outside, hot spas for people, but they thought they really had something. But how many believers are deceiving themselves? That's where you have it. You'll notice in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's writing to believers in that passage. He wants to have fellowship with them and they with Him. But they're deceiving themselves. How many believers are deceiving themselves? I think a lot of times we deceive ourselves. If you go on a little bit later, what about Matthew 13? Remember you had the four soils? If you remember the first soil... In verse 19, when he goes to interpret, remember it's the Word of God, and it says it's hard soil. And it's so hard that it just washes off. And so obviously not a believer. I'll never forget years ago, Dad and I were doing a yard, and a lady wanted me to seed her yard. And it was as hard as a rock. I said, all right, next week, it was in September, first part. I said, make sure the yard's really wet so that the aerator will poke holes. Okay. I come back, yeah, I've watered the yard. There's cracks so bad that I could stick my hand all the way into the cracks. That aerator looked like he was hitting on concrete. It just was bouncing, wouldn't even poke holes in the ground. So what happens when you put the seed on? And they turn water on. It's gone. Neighbor enjoy it. You know, that's true in a lot of our lives too. You know, it can be. Just the hard soil. You get on the next one, you remember the next one was the shallow soil. It didn't work. What happens if you put grass on t- on gravel? Does it grow? It'll come up until what happens? Until it gets good and hot. And it dies. You'll find if you want to know where a tunnel is in someone's yard or where they have an underground pipe, just wait till August and you can find where all the pipes are because they're all it's all dead. Shell. What about in twenty two when it says it the crowded soil. You remember when all the things of this world crowded out and doesn't produce fruit. Only one produced fruit, and that's the good soil. But what kind of soil are you and I? So easy to get crowded out. In Hebrews 5, you remember, he's writing in verse 11, and he says, many of you are dull of hearing. How many times have believers heard so many things they become dull of hearing? Whoever get one here, all right, I've already heard this message before. Turn it off. Don't need to listen to it. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times we've heard something, there always can be a nugget that we can get. And I don't care who we are. 
So you think about it, that's the possibilities that we can be. And ask, what kind of heart do I have? Another one, I want to think, what about some ponderings? In James 1, which is what we're getting ready to, main, probably the key part of, of James, are we a doer or are we a hearer? And he's going to get into that. I want to look at two things when I talk about this. Is that Christ mentioned. I want you to really think hard about two small phrases in two verses. Look over in uh, Mark chapter 4 for a moment. Mark chapter 4, and then we'll do Luke 8. Mark chapter 4. Notice in verse 24. And he was saying to them, Take care what you what? What you listen to. Take care what you listen to. Is that a good thing for you and I to remember? I'll never forget growing up, my parents didn't want me to listen to certain kinds of music. Oh, I don't listen to the words. I just listen to the music, the beat. I like the beat. Right. That song can come on today. I never tried to learn the words, but how many of them do you think I can repeat today when I hear them? I can tell you, but I wasn't trying to learn. So take care of what you listen to. <clears throat> okay, notice, look over at Luke 8. So take care of what you listen to. Anything you need to, look over at Luke 8. Verse 18. What does he tell us there? Luke 8, 18. Therefore take care how you listen. Take care of what you listen to and take care of how you listen. Uh, spouses, is that ever something we need to do? How well do we listen? And a lot of you would say, not very well. It's amazing, though. We're told two things we're told to. So think about it. <clears throat> what and how do I listen? Importance. When it comes to the Word of God, what do I listen to and how well do I listen? Not only the Word of God, but other things. So let's look at the preparation for truth then. Go to 1 John. We'll spend the rest of the time in 1 John. Notice in verse 19. When I was in high school, it was one of the very first, in middle school, one of the very first verses I ever memorized. And I had quite a temper, so I memorized this verse. And notice what it says in verse 19. The preparation for truth. This you know, my brethren, remember in this you know, he's going back to 18, that you are brought forth by the Word of God your first fruits, you're a believer. And you notice what he says, let us speak, and it's a command, by the way, let us be quick to hear that's, that's his, uh, James 1 in verse 19. I'm sorry, if, I, if you're still in Luke, then that is my fault. John. Did I say John? You said John. All right. Hey, I'm glad to see you guys are paying attention and are turning. That's also what you need to do. If you don't see it there, you need to stop. That's good. That's good. I commend you for it. You were listening. <laughs> that's very good. Uh, James 1 in verse... Uh, Notice so this, you know, my brethren, I command, notice the first command, that you have open ears. And how many ears has he, has he given us? Three. And how many mouths? 
How many eyes? So I think a lot of us need to be using our eyes and our ears a whole lot more. But notice the very first command, it tells you to be quick to hear. Second thing, notice it says to be slow to speak. So we need to have open ears and a controlled tongue. It's interesting when you think about it, how many times is the other way around? How many times are we answering a question or answering something before the, the person ever finishes the sentence? Quite often when you're in a discussion or debate or whatever it is, you never even let the person finish. You're automatically formulating an answer before you ever get there. Notice it says the open ears control time. Socrates was approached by a young man who says, I want you to teach me to be a great orator. And he just kept talking, 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 talking to Socrates. Socrates is reported to have said, he took his hand and put it across his mouth. He said, I'm going to charge you double. He said, what are you going to charge me double for? He says, because first of all, I have to teach you how to hold your mouth, and I have to teach you how to use your mouth. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good statement. Teach you how to hold your mouth, and then teach you how to use your mouth. So notice the first two is an open ears and a controlled tongue. Notice in verse, the second, last part of 19 and 20, slow to anger. The anger of God does not achieve the righteousness. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I think so. The third one is a calm spirit. How many people, I mean, they, they just they blow up in anything. They just fly off the handle. I mean, you just look at them or say one thing and they blow up. Notice then, we're not, the Holy Spirit's not controlling us when listening to the Word of God. How many times, when we come to a service, how many times do we not, are we coming with an open ears, closed mouth, and not immediately coming to opposition? Answer. Interesting one, this was actually on a poster. Temper is such a valuable thing, it'd be such a shame for you to lose it. Well, that'd be pretty good. Get a poster for that. Temper is such a valuable thing. Take care lest you lose it. Notice the fourth thing he tells you in 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness that remains of wickedness, where there for filthiness is the Greek word R U P O S, which is wax in the ear. So the author is telling you what? Get the wax out of you here so you can hear what the Word of God says. And I think so many of us uh, uh, only hear part of the truth. Any of you ever only heard part of the truth? Or the sentence is not finished and you automatically come to a conclusion and you go try to do something and it's not, you didn't get the rest of the sentence and so you did the wrong thing. You ever gone to the store and the person is telling you something and they later were saying, well, I've already bought that, you just get this, but you didn't hear the, the last part, so you bought it a second time. I think a lot of times we're that way. So notice we have open ears, we need a controlled tongue, a calm spirit, and then notice in 21, the last part that you have, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Uh, you need a clean heart and then a humble spirit. How many of us have a humble spirit? How many of us know everything? You know, I think a lot of times we think we know everything. And we don't. Just because you can quote a verse doesn't mean that you, you know everything. I'll never forget a professor telling me we we're all you know, asking questions, trying to stump him, you know, when you're in college you think you know a lot. <clears throat> the professor stopped the class and never forget the statement made forty years ago, forty five. He said, I'm not so worried about what I don't know about the Bible. I'm more concerned about what I 
what the Bible is telling me and I don't do. How many of us are just simply doing what it tells us to do? There's so many things it's telling us. In this passage, in this book alone, 108 verses, there's over 50 direct imperative commands to the believer. If you want to know what to do, just read James. It'll tell you 50 things you're supposed to be doing. As a, that's why I said it's practical Christianity. Keep your tongue. Listen. Don't lose your temper. I mean, there's so many things that we can do. So what would I think about it? Would you and I be charged double if we went to be taught by somebody? You ever had anybody that knows all the answers? They won't listen to you? And after a while, you find you, what do you do? Alright. Go make some mistakes. When it's all screwed up and you want to bring it to me, then okay, but I, you know, go ahead. And I think a lot of times we're that way in our Christian life. Notice then what he wants you to do. He wants you to practice the Word. So you have preparation for truth, open eyes, open ears, and so on. But the practice the Word. Notice the command then. You have two things in verse uh, 22. But prove yourselves doers of the Word. What's the two commands? Doers, but then what's the second part? A clarification of the word. Do we have a lot of people doing a lot of things, but isn't necessarily doing what the word says? No. But a lot of people are do a lot of things. Is it ever right to say no to something? One of the most godly things you can do is to say no to something. Because if I can get you so busy doing things, you may not be doing the right thing. There's a lot of good things. But notice, doer of the word. You have a choice. You can either be a hearer or a doer. How many people do you know that mark their Bible, but the Bible doesn't mark them? Really, I mean, they can mark it, they can quote it, but then you wonder where in the world it doesn't seem to go from their head down to their heart and into their actions. And that's what James is trying to get us to do. Notice the... uh, here he describes in 23 and 24 for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror now I want you to think about it what type of mirrors did they have in that day what were they made out of polished metal okay so it's polished metal how well do you see yourself okay you're going to have to get a closer look I always find it interesting when I go uh, with jeans shopping or anything else and you watch people when they walk by a mirror. You ever watch people when they walk by a mirror? It's hilarious. Some of them, I mean, you know, it's like when you see them get a picture taken. I mean, it's amazing. You know, they they change their posture and everything else. You know, they suck it in and do all kinds of stuff. I even had one when I was getting a picture taken with them and they said, uh, whispered in my ear, I grabbed the back of my neck. I said, what? You say, grab the back of my neck. So I grab it. See, it pulls all that fat skin underneath and makes my chin look small. <laughs> and it did. You know, when the picture came out later and you looked, they didn't have any of that. They looked look 20 years younger, you know. They didn't have that double chin. But I think about it. We'll see how many of you are now doing that. But how many of us are just do that glance, that careless look? We don't really look at ourselves. How many times have you met somebody you haven't seen in about 20 years or 10 years, and what do you say? 
Boy, they've gotten old. Well, you know, but what about you and I? We look in the mirror every single day, and what happens? We don't notice. Notice the glance. But how many of us are the other that we gloss over it? We don't really want to see what, what everybody else sees. We gloss over it. Any of that ever happened to any of us? We gloss over it. We look at it. Yeah, that needs work, but yeah, it's not, you know, move on. The, the third one I think about with you here, it happened a lot when uh, I was helping Jesse and Gus. Uh, Gus and I were getting the house, you know, when they moved in, 1,800 square foot house, and all the walls, everything needed to be painted. So they wanted to paint all of them. They put paint on every wall, so now they're stuck painting them all, so I was down there helping. Well, the previous person wasn't real good with sheetrock, and so... Gus first started in every little place he's wanting to get all that just right. Well, after about the first day or two, what do you think happened? Let's move on. <laughs> His favorite term to me was GE. Good enough. Was that room ready? Good enough. Hey, Gus, we need another coat on that? Nope, GE, good enough. You know? If we don't hurry up and finish, we'll never get this house finished. How many of us are that way with the Word of God? It's good enough. And I'm good enough. They're good enough. Whereas is the Word of God showing me something I need to do? So think about it. When it comes to it here, do I just glance at it, gloss over it, or it's just good enough? But what about the doer? It's interesting when it goes in down to doer. Notice in 25, but one who looks intently. The word there for looks intently is a word meaning to stoop. If it's made out of metal, why would you stoop? Because the reflection is not like a mirror of today. You had to get real close to really see it. Now, how much are willing to really get that close to the Word of God to really see ourselves? You think about it. You know, really, and I think it's important for all of us to look at what does the Scripture promise to do? Hebrews 4 and verse 12, it says, The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword doing what? Piercing, dividing even of soul and sunder. What happens when things aren't right in our life? How many of us want to avoid the Word of God? whether we want to admit it or not, because what happens when we start looking at it? It starts to cut us up, doesn't it? And it starts to tell us all the different things that we ought to be doing. And whether it be quick to hear, slow to speak, or speak only the truth and love, or what's edifying, and different things, and we don't want to hear that. And we don't want to do it. second thing you think about, not only whether the Scripture dissect us, Psalms 119 was the longest in the Bible, obviously. It's all talking about the Word of God. And we look at Psalms 119, you have all these different sections. Each section is, starts with the, le the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So in English, it would be the first section would be A. The next one would be B until it gets all the way to Z. So the Word of God covers everything from A to Z. But what do you have in verse 11? In verse 105. Thy word have I what? That I might not sin. Okay. Thy word is a lamp. Okay, if that's really true, how many of us are in the Word of God? Or how many of us are trying to walk at night with no light? I think a lot of us, we say that and we can quote it, but if that's the truth, then we have to be in it or else it cannot light our path. And a lot of us are in the dark path, things that are in our life. So notice with Scripture, notice it says then, what it does, the shore, now I think it's interesting, 
you go on, the law, talking about the verse 25, you know, he looks intently the law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man should be blessed in what he does. You know, it's interesting, he, he's a, he shows by what he does. He, he reads it, he sees it, he applies it to his life, and people can see it. It's interesting, when you look in uh, Romans 12, do not, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transform. Transform. That's the word metamorphosis, being changed from the inside out. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says the same thing. You're being like with Moses, you're being transformed from the inside out. Same word that's used in Matthew when Christ at the Mount of Transfiguration. Transformed. They got to see the glory. Whenever you're with somebody who is really walking with the Lord, can you sense it? You can sense it when you're with them. A different spirit, different thing, a different countenance. Okay, so if we're really a doer of the Word, people will be able to see it. It's amazing how many times you can get ridiculed at work, but when there's a spiritual need, how many times do they come to you? You know, just like when Bob mentioned earlier, talking about Michelle, going to have the MRI, have back, and she needs to have that MRI wanting it to show. What is it going to happen? You have Don's going to be having his knees checked out this week. How many of us want the doctor to see exactly what to do? Dad's going to have shots on his feet trying to... How many of you want to have the shot in the right place and have the right results? They can be, that's why they're practicing medicine, but we want them, God's help, to really see what's going on. But when it comes to the Word of God, are we allowing the Word of God to have access to every room? How many of you only allow the Word of God to get to certain rooms. You can touch this, you can touch this, but that, hey God, that's off limits. Mm-mm. Can't touch my money, you can't touch my temper, you can't, whatever it might be. How many of us are open to whatever it is? Notice then in verse 26, and I think you can ask yourself though, do I allow the Word of God to dissect and direct me? If the Word of God or somebody's asking you to do something, how many other times do we have an answer? I'd like you to, would you consider teaching a class? Would you consider giving your testimony? And what we usually do is immediately we answer what? We have, we'll have whatever answer it is. Immediate. Do we ever say, let me think about it? Let me pray about it? Let me ask the Lord? We automatically answer in our own human nature. No, or whatever it's going to be. And we try to do it on our own. Have you ever, you know, I think we need to change it. If God's asking you to do something, will He give you the strength? You know, you look at all of them. All the great men and women of the Bible, God changed them. And when He asked them to do something, He gave them the ability to do it. Notice about sharing the truth and the next one that you have. Notice in verse 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he to be religious, the word there for religious is only used five times in the New Testament. And the word there is, if you want a definition, would be outward practice or service. Outward practice or service. So you want to know what, if you want to have an outward practice. Should we not all have outward practice? Okay, you want to know how to do it? Notice how he tells you. Yet does not bridle his tongue. The first way you can tell that somebody is, is their tongue. More, pe- more people are hurt with their tongue. Any of you ever been hurt by somebody's tongue? How many of you still remember it 45, 50 years later? You may not have remembered a physical punishment you got very well, but you remember 
the verbal. Those verbal stick with you. But how many of us are using our tongue to really keep people at a distance, to slice and dice, to bring them down to our level, whatever it might be? First of all, speech. Now the second one in 27 that you have, uh, but deceived his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Then 27, this is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God to visit orphans and widows in their distress. Service. A widow and orphan in that day, could they ever pay you back? No, they didn't have means. They, you know, they weren't allowed to own, uh, if you're a widow, they weren't allowed to own land, only the men could, and so on. They had no way of paying you back. So if you went and helped them, and you saw a need and you helped them, it wasn't that you're going to ever get something back from them. When Boaz took on Ruth, he was helping her. Now, obviously, that's the line of Christ, Jesse, and so on, and uh, with David. But you know, Boaz was doing it to help her, not knowing what's coming ahead. And I think it's important when you and I do the same thing. When not only do we have to hold our tongue, but I think we also, when you look at it, we also have service. What is it that God wants me to do? We're not doing it to be seen by other people. You're going out and helping people, whatever it might be. And I think a lot of times, but notice the last part in 27, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Okay, so you have separation. So speech, service, and separation. You think about it, in James 4, and verse 4, a little bit later on, it tells you, do not be friends with the world. You go to 1 John, and it tells you, do not love this world. Why did Demas leave? According to 2 Timothy, because the love of this world, the temporary. Believers, you and I can be caught up in loving the world. Romans 12, what does it tell? Do not be conformed to this world. I can have friendship with the world. I can love the world. I can be conformed to the world. And then you also have, in 2 Corinthians 11, you can be condemned with the world. We can do things and obviously end up with punishment. So let's think about it just today when it talks about quit kidding yourself deceiving yourself. Let's think of some applications that you have. And I, what kind of heart do I have? What kind of heart do I have? You know, I think a lot of times we're almost like the Wizard of Oz, you know. What kind of heart do we have? Second one, what, how do I listen? You ever had people say they're a great listener? And you wonder, when do you ever listen? I've told the story on how many times. Dad and I were working on this one block. A lady came down that street every single Wednesday for over a year and a half. Only one time in the entire town I was there every week was that not woman not walking with somebody and talking the entire time she went down the street. One time did I ever see her listening to who she was with. She quite often had a lot of different people walking with her and I couldn't help but wonder why. I mean, we nicknamed her JJ, Jabberjaw, I mean, never met the lady, but I mean, just everywhere she goes. I, I thought, boy, you know, just talking all the time. You know, I think God gave us ears. We can learn a lot about people and how to help if we will just listen. What about, do I allow the Word of God to dissect and direct me? We allow it to just cut us open. Most of us don't want it because we don't want to change. We like the way we are. We don't want what it's going to cost. Often we don't go to the doctor for what reason? We don't want to hear it. We don't want to go to the dentist. We don't want to go. 
I'll never forget when they bought the, uh, when Holly bought the refinery, they had made us all go through all these different physicals, these people came in. I'll never forget they did this stuff with checking in, checking out, you know, your fat content of your, and all this other stuff. And they looked at me and they said, you're borderline obese. Okay, you know, I really liked hearing that, but anyway, all right, you know, I may already know that, but I'm thinking, wow, you know, and since some of them were telling me that, I thought, okay, no, I won't go there, but anyway. <laughs> well, they weigh 100 pounds more than me, I'm thinking, all right, but okay. But I think, what is, they're telling you what? You're out of shape and you need to exercise. And there's truth to that, if we're willing to listen. What about does my practice match my position? Isn't that what Ephesians 4 tells you? You have a great position in Christ. With what all He's done for you, what are you doing? Does the practice match your position?